The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to New Dimensions with your host, Rev. Nicholas Barrett. Our identities are not labels, identifying who we are to others. Rather, they are found in God's riches, His likeness and character. We can discover our true selves and live the way He has intended for us to live. Now, here is Rev. Nicholas Barrett. Good morning, welcome wherever you are in the world. We're going out live from Los Angeles, California. I have a great show lined up for you this morning, and it's really a privilege to be going out to more than 52 countries reaching thousands of people like you right where they're at. You know, it's a blessing to me, but also a God stewardship that I do not take lightly. So I really want to, you know, to thank you for making this part of your morning, part of your day, because it may be evening or afternoon where you are. From tragedy to tragedy, I could have become bitter, remained a product of my circumstance, but instead I surrendered to God so he that could become the potter and me the clay to shape wisdom from trials, vision from self-focus, purpose from hopeless situations. So I'm really dedicating to helping you, and I'm believing that whatever season you may find yourself in today, that this episode will not change your life, but it will sow seeds that will multiply as fruits of greatness in the future. So I have a story before we get into the main message. The story is about Leicester City. It's a team in the English Soccer League, which for many years languished in the doldrums at the bottom of the league. They were a team most people would not jump up and down with joy, even want the opportunity to see them. So in a league which is shaped by mega wealth, celebrity players, fanfare, pomp and circumstance, this unassuming team has sent a shift that is being felt across the country and really across the world. Leicester City's rise is framed as an anti-money tale of shrewd scouting, good players becoming excellent ones, and the fierce togetherness that helped them win seven of their last games of the previous season that prevented them from being demoted to the second-tier league. It's a most unexpected title-chasing quality in a season that was meant to be all about more and better, newer and greater, gaudy new dawns, TV deals with the unusual, usual elite teams. But as it turns out, the team is five points clear at the top of the league. They've fielded the same players in the championship, about six of them that they've fielded for the last two years. Players who have been allowed by positioning or design to grow and develop in the same space. So I don't really recall anything quite like this, certainly not in a team sport. Suddenly you can improve as a golfer, gain a bit of form as an individual sport. But if the magic Leicester stuff tends to obscure the merits of continuity and careful planning rather than indiscriminate celebrity additions, it also goes to the heart of what might happen next. Leicester's players will know better than anyone that they do not need magic dust to win the league from here on in. The fear is that the wardrobe won't stop working, the carpet ceased to fly, but it's simply that they might start to deviate from a well-executed plan. So Leicester need 
three more everyday Premiership League victories to take the title. Win or lose, they've really provided a glorious reminder of rather overlooked virtue, an old-school triumph for a fine team playing at a well-grooved peak. Call it brilliant, call it instructive. The coach said to his players recently, a chance like this will not come around again. Seek that fire. Do not be ashamed of it. And they're not ashamed. If anything, they demand to dream it. The question I ask you today, you may not be a soccer fan. You may have got the story. Is what do you feel in the doldrums with with your life? It could be your job. It could be your marriage. It could be your finances. It could be an illness that doesn't appear to have a chance to get better or depression that just seems to linger. Well, I'm here to tell you that you're loved by God of the turnaround. His possible begins at your impossible. It's never over until he says it o- it's over. So do not give up that fire that's inside of you because of what's trying to destroy you from the outside. Nothing from the outside can take away what has been put in you. So the same power that lives in you is the same power that lives in him. So we have a, a turnaround God. In Genesis, in the beginning, God entered darkness and displayed his turnaround nature. He spoke words that turned darkness into light and filled the emptiness with fruitfulness. So his power brought order to this chaos. So our creator God turned the dust of the earth into breathtaking birds of the air and magnificent lions of the jungle. So even in Genesis, God revealed himself as humanity's turnaround God. And ever since that moment, the dark has sought to turn back what God has destined to turn around. So from this first approach in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, the enemy came to manipulate and try and reverse God's intentions. So sin entered and sought to stop every broken life from being restored and every lost soul being found. So the enemy came to kill, seek, and destroy And I'm here to say that you can be a victor wherever you are in your circumstance. This ability is in all of us, whether we're near, far or wide. It's not exclusive. And this is the great thing about speaking worldwide. It's inclusive to human beings. We're all maybe in in one of the seasons I covered. We can call it the doldrum, just like Leicester City. Nobody believed in them. People had given up on them. Their situation seemed perilous. It seemed never ending. But I'm here to tell you that with a mind shift, if you continue going forward, you can claim victory in whatever season you're in. So I've been praying and actually excited about this story. The title for my message this week is My Past is a Mirror. We all have a past which has led us to the very moment we're in right now. Everything that you've experienced, whether it's positive or negative, is a reflection in a mirror. So much like the image you see yourself when you stand in front of a mirror, it's not really you, but a reflection of your perception of how you think you look. So in the same way, your past is not how it really was, but what your mind has interpreted it and conditioned you to think it is. It can skew your entire perspective on life to view things from a rear view mirror. This prevents or obscures you seeing the window that can open to way greater horizons and blessings as your focus is always through the past. Very often, this prevents God from giving you the best for your life as your mind and its thoughts have edited opportunities that if you had kept moving forward would have given you untold blessings, abundance and joy. So the mind has edited the middle and the end of the story before it's been even given a chance to run its course. So the question I ask you is, how many things have you missed along the way that God has designed and wanted to give you? Could it be getting married? 
Could it be starting a business that you've always had on your heart but never found the courage to move forward in for whatever reason? Climbing a mountain, having a child of your own, reconciling with a family member or a close person that you've held a long time grudge with, breaking off an an unhealthy relationship that's been draining you or keeping you down. Just giving or just giving a day like today the opportunity to be all that it could be without being stuck in our mind, without being stuck in the mind edit that would always limit it. So how? How did all this start? How did all this? Let's just take a closer look at this. Firstly, habitual negative thoughts. This is something you and I, this is something as human beings we all have, and yet we're least aware of them, let alone how they can impact our lives in a negative detrimental way. So something so fundamental to our entire spiritual and mental health, growth, and wellness, but yet so unrecognized. It can take dominion over your entire life, if not conquered, and put to death. So as human beings, we have approximately 60,000 thoughts per day, with 90% 90 of those repeated. 85% of those repeated thoughts are then negative. We call them ants, which is automatic negative thinking. But as this can probably spark your mind to think, as you can imagine, without a greater awareness, you're easily prey for the enemy of dark of this world. This is why the world is what it is today, single parents, anger, infidelity, ISIS, and many other things that are completely the opposite of the spirit we were created, which is love. So we tend to think that if we expect the worst, that we'll not be as disappointed if things do not turn out the way we had hoped. It's time really to stop speaking in a way that's inconsistent with what we want. Life is way better when we raise our awareness that our current mind is not the one that God gave us, but has become one that your life has robbed you to have. So we mustn't perpetuate and stay stuck and and say, well, things are the way they are and I'm not going to expect very much because very often we perpetuate even more. We have to get a mindset to change. We have to move forward and realize these things are not how we were created and realize that we were pushed and, 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 and our environments created all those things. Secondly, mediocrity. Keeping things simple is one thing, you know, but settling for very, is very much another. God created you to move forward. It's all about moving forward and advancing, advancing with the talents and gifts that you have so you can build the world and kingdom out of that overflow. So many of us, you know, in life choose to take the line of, re- of least resistance. We opt to, to go just to get through life by surviving and scraping by, not offering to help others because of our perceived lack. We then develop a removed, you know, a removed personality from society, a desensitized heart. We, take, we need to take a break out of this mindset as it, it's preventing you from doing with your life all that was intended. Why settle for your, for your best when you can have God's best? So resignation is simply not healthy. It will not be content. You'll not be content in your later years, but full of regrets. Remember what starts with God finishes well with God. So we must break out of mediocrity and just blending in with the norms, blending in with the patterns of culture and society. And another, thirdly, a thing that we, a, a lot of us do is we holding on to the past. You know, we live in the past, which is, you know, Living in the past prevents what is coming to you from becoming manifest in your life. So I always say a moment spent in the past is a moment robbed in, in your, of your future. The potential of your life is always in the step ahead of you. 
So leave the past behind and open your arms for all that lies ahead. It's so much greater. We must get out of the disappointment of things that didn't work, marriages that failed, money that was lost, uh, children maybe that didn't turn out the way we expected, health, other situations, other intangibles, because when we're looking through that, it's impossible to actually see what's forward because we're so skewed and, and our mind is so occupied with, and this is our human nature, so occupied with what went wrong that we can't even see what went right. So we need to rebalance and focus on all the things we have, which is now. We, we don't have before. A lot of people say, well, I have my past. No, you have great memories. The memories will keep you inspired, invigorated, and encouraged. So I like my memories. I love my memories of my parents, but if I hold on to tragic deaths or marriage that went wrong, or other addictions and these things in the past, it is impossible for me to open my arms and say, future, come on. So we must be aware that many times the enemy's holding us in the past. It's like really putting a, a cruise control of 70 miles an hour in a 200-mile-an-hour car. It's always limited. And then fourthly, one that impacts all of us, and that is fear. Fear can keep you paralyzed from moving forward. It's a feeling so powerful. You know, it sets you up for failure and doom before you even attempt to try something new. Fear is faith, but, you know, it's faith in the wrong thing. There are two lenses that you could be looking at today. One of despair, which is skepticism, cynicism, or hopelessness, which is the media, or a God-breathed one of hope, a future with a purpose. We need to feel as though we have hope and purpose for the future step. So many in our world are living in the news media with no hope. We're looking at natural, worldly tools to fix our problems, which will always be spiritual. We're getting more of what we don't want in the future because our present focus is perpetuating more of the same day by day due to our present focus. So what lens are you looking at your day at today? The circumstance-filled lens of fear and no hope which is the worldly lens, or the one of the spirit, which is a spirit-filled lens of hope and a greater plan of purpose for your life. So really, your current outlook will determine. Faith isn't really something happening, but it's the promise of things to come. It doesn't depend whether something happens or not happens, whether I have faith. Faith is the promise of things to happen, but not yet visible, not yet seen. So we must always pick our faith up, not... Uh, not in terms of what is being revealed, but in terms of what our faith means. <clears throat> Jeremiah tells us in Jeremiah 29, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. So it's all about if you trust in me, I will give you no harm, even though you may go through seasons. Yes, you may go through bereavement, illnesses, marital problems, depression, fear, all of these things, you have a hope and a future. And then fifthly, we can look at guilt, which is another thing a lot of us, if we're really honest about, have. Guilt's the number one tool that the dark force will use against you. It's like a shadow that will haunt every day of your life. Guilt can frame your mind to feeling bad for doing something that you have then gone on to live to regret. It can elude you to thinking that you're a bad person because you have caused hardship to another person. Maybe by deceiving them, maybe by taking something that wasn't yours, maybe by cheating, maybe by hurting verbally or physically 
or even something you've perceived that led them to losing their life. Maybe it wasn't taking them to hospital or to the right doctor or the, giving them the right medication. All of these things can harbor and really haunt us as guilt. Let's not lose ourselves in the if-onlys, the could-haves, the woulds-have, the should-have syndromes. All these give birth to guilt. You know, God forgives you, but you must also really learn to forgive yourself. We must be forgiving to ourselves for the things we've done in the past and not hold ourselves guilty for the rest of our lives. There were a season we may have made mistakes, yes, and we, those, are, those are real mistakes, but at the same time, we can't hold the rest of our life to that. We need to forgive ourselves for the things we've done wrong. So faith is it's not an outcome, but it's an outlook. What is your outlook for today? Your outlook needs to, to be one of hope, a hope of purpose, but you also need to focus on an area that will give you hope. You need to focus on um, positive writing, affirmative things with yourself, and not look at media and not listen to those things that will skew you and just keep you really walking faster and faster in a circle. And I call that the walking dead. Many of us, the tragedy is not that we die, that it takes so long to start living. There is so much greater. And I don't know of any Bible characters that have not had problems. David killed somebody, King David, who was one of the most honored by God. God will forgive you. I'm not saying go and kill somebody. I'm saying that those things that you are holding, burdens, heavy burdens in your heart, let them go, release them. We're going to take a break, and in the second segment, we're going to talk about how did our past shape our present? And it's very important to know that when very often we are products of our past, just like a, a shirt that's got in a smoky room, when it comes out, it has the essence of that past. Enjoy your break. It's been great sharing this with you, and I'm looking forward to talking to you after the break. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Where can you listen to some of the world's top life coaches ready to share success tips and entrepreneurial guidance? The Voice America Empowerment Channel will do just that. Hear about personal growth, building a better business, inspirational life stories, and personal branding. You'll find it every day at voiceamericaempowerment.com. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. How do you define work? Is it that mundane Monday through Friday place that seems to be sucking a third of your life out of you? Or have you made it a place of personal fulfillment, achievement, and purpose? If you are looking to make your work life the latter, tune in to Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. There are all kinds of inspiring work life stories told by people who have made work something to look forward to every day. Working on Purpose can be heard every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel.
You are tuned in to New Dimensions. To reach Reverend Nicholas or his guest today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to nbarrett28 at yahoo.com. Now, back to New Dimensions. Hello again. Welcome back after the break. I hope you had a, a good break. Let's get on to the second segment. How did our past shape our present? We need to take a look at how the past has shaped our present. We're a product of our childhood environment. We're all born in, in God's spirit and likeness with no previous experiences. The canvas is completely blank. Our environment affects us all, and we all have different sensitivities. Children in their formative years do not have the filters that, that we have developed as adults. They absorb all the things that they see, sounds that they hear, the changing fluctuations and emotions all around them. So environments that meet adults' needs or, or that adults have developed a toler tolerance for often feel very different to young people, to children. Oftentimes, parents are very unaware as they've not taken on the, they've, they've taken on the mind of societal conditioning and in that accepted it being a cold, violent world. They're not aware of the importance of keeping toddlers and young children away from negative exposure, particularly during the most sensitive years, particularly during the, most, the first three or four years when they're most influenced, developed, and formed. The philosophy that it's a jungle, a dog-eat-dog world out there, and that children may as well get used to it right now is completely counterproductive to raising children to be wholesome and equipped for a joyous life. Many people have children without being equipped for the tools necessary to give them the best foundation to set them up for a fully functional life. You know, young children, very much like animals, have little control over their immediate environments. They depend on the ones stewarding them to give them a foundation of love with both parents being present the way that God intended in his master plan. So just like a breeder rearing young racing pigeons must take care to nurture, feed and give affection to the flock so that they can become strong and able to go out into the world and function, so must parents build and nurture a child so it can grow up on a stable foundation and go out and be an effective adult. Sadly, in our modern-day world, the picture is far from stable. According to U.S. Census Bureau statistics, out of about 12 million single-parent families in 2014, more than 80% were headed by single mothers. And today... One in four children under the age of 18, so that's a total of about 17.4 million, are being raised without a father. So we need to take a look at how an unstable childhood can have a lasting impact on an adult. In many ways, we live our lives out mirroring our childhood, mirroring either the instability or the, or the stability we had in, in our formative years. A child can grow up with a mother who had an addiction the child, therefore, perceived it was neglected. This made the child feel angry. They felt abused, unwanted, and unloved. So this brought on a feeling of being deeply uprooted and unsettled due to the unstable environment and their single mother with an addiction that they were exposed to. That was their exposure. So neglected, very, very neglected. So as a way of mirroring their formative exposure in adulthood, they created a home that had an unpacked look with piles of clothes and boxes giving the impression of an environment that could be subject to volatility or sudden change. Their car trunk is always so full that they hardly have room for a single bag to fit in. Even if they hire a rental car for long enough, 
it starts to look like their own car. All this is unsettled because it, it, it's from an unsettled foundation. In, in that unsettled foundation, we very often grow up as an adult fearful of relationships. If we've been hurt by a male figure, we're, we're fearful usually of male relationships. If we've been hurt by a female figure, we're usually fearful of female relationships. So any type of commitment, this can be even, even having a lease, regardless of a relationship, it could either be having a lease on a car which involves a signature or having a pet that involves a commitment. Life becomes unsettled because... It's a mirror of the insecurity of that childhood. I just gave you the scenario that this adult behavior, this adult behavior was the essence of that formative exposure. Just like I said, the shirt in a smoky room. Because of the mother with addictions, the child felt unloved and unwanted, and it brought these adult things. Everything we're experiencing now was sown as a seed before. Nothing metamorphosizes by accident. The decisions we've made before are where we are now, things that have happened to us and how we've edited them in our mind are where we feel now. Nothing automatically lands on our desk. So we very much we're carrying the bags of the past and putting them in the room we are. So we could very simply go on a vacation. The same content of our lives will come out of that suitcase wherever we are. So I'll give you another scenario. A child grows up not knowing her father. A mother has a child with a father that runs away. He absconds. I mean, this happens regularly. I'm talking to real people in a real world. The mother then goes from one relationship to another, always picking partners that deceive her that, they, that they're monogamous, that they're available. It so transpires they have unresolved issues with past relationships. So when the daughter grows up, she has a child with a man who's also non-active. He actually runs off, does pretty much the same thing. It's a direct mirror of her childhood exposure. She's basically done what her mother did. But the daughter becomes angry. She's angry at her father who left her because she feels unloved, not cherished, and unimportant and unwanted. However, she repeats the cyclical pattern because that's what she was exposed to while she was growing up. So the life we pick, the life doesn't really pick us, but the life we pick generally reflects our childhood. But we have a choice, and that's within raising our awareness. We can have a life that, we, that will look all that we'd hoped for and way more and not the way that we've been molded or we've been permitted to be pushed or restricted into. And Proverbs 4.3 tells us very clearly, keep your heart with all vigilance because from it flow the springs of life. And Jeremiah, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? So all of these things, just to really what this means in our life, all of these things have, created, have been created as heartbreaks in our childhood. It's not that our parents were bad. It's just that they were giving us the tools that they had. Very often they were repeating a generational curse from abuse they've had in the past. So very often someone who's had addictions and they they have a child, very often they've grown up in a family that's had that. Or someone with anger or violence problems, they've been exposed to that, so they've become a, a wife beater or someone that shouts and breaks things and screams. So we must really be aware that a lot of what we're doing is being seeded, but we must also be aware that we can change it. It's We're dealing in, in the real world, which is not kingdom living. It's the fallen world, which is separate from spirit. We, we have to accept that. But at the same time, we don't have to accept the life that it's given us and be angry and be depressed and avoid relationships and avoid commitments. We can uh, raise our faith. 
So Ezekiel tells us, and I will give you a new heart, a new spirit that I'll put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. So very simply, what is dried up inside of us, the stone that's become our heart can become flesh again. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. You will be reunited with the spirit you had when you were born before all of these things were committed to you. Uh, I'm not going to say against you because it could have been Tom, Sally or Anne, but you happen to be there. We must let go some of those things that have been done to us. And I'm going to cover this in the third segment of the show where we talk about anger because we're holding other people responsible, but at the same time, we're also jailing ourselves. But I'll, I'll explain that to you a little bit later. The number one thing, you know, really what we have in this mirror is anger. And this really is going back to, to my past as a mirror. This really is something that haunts the majority of human beings so much so that it's a human condition. So we really have to, we're forced to take a, a look at this and it's all piggybacking from what I've just said. Let's take a close look at anger. It's a strong feeling of intense displeasure held against someone or a circumstance that you have perceived to have been against you, which if it was a person, or detrimental to you if it was a circumstance. This could have stemmed through many things. It could have been a threat, insult, physical, verbal, injustice, frustration, or simply you felt neglected. We've all experienced some of these things, if we're honest, in the past, and we've all stored a bit of anger. There is anger in the human condition because God wouldn't have released those three scriptures I just mentioned to you earlier. There's a reason why the Creator mentioned those scriptures is because He knows what we'd be going through. He went through those pains. So we need to deal with the anger so we can put the mirror away once and for all. You know, it can be an overwhelming feeling that takes hold of your mind. It makes you think irrationally and they're not able to function in an effective way. Yes, you're functioning, but you're not effective. It gets you into an energy field that traps your mind to focus on anger and think only thoughts associated with this energy field. At the same time, you can only think of what has been done to you, things that were held, that you've held were against you, and at this point, your life seems a mess. You know, so what's the point? All my life's a mess. It's, it's anger. So in this state, your identity, you identify yourself in the anger as you have no awareness other than this feeling that has at that time taken dominion or control over you. So in order to break it, or at least start to work on controlling it, nothing's going to be a magic fix. You have to do, it's like weeding a garden. It's, it's a process. Everything is a process. You need to become independent of your feelings and recognize that it's anger without having your identity in it. So you need to step back and not identify with it. So this feeling of anger is mostly predicated really from old hurts and stuff. I'm not really angry about today. I'm angry about, you know, my childhood environment as this stores up a negative energy bank. All of the things that have built up before store up as an, a negative energy bank. So very simply, life is like a pressure cooker as whatever goes in, if it's not resolved, needs to come out. And in, in which case, with human beings, we're, not, we're like a pressure cooker. We need to explode. So if it's held in, eventually it has to come out. Just like a water in a bucket, eventually that water has to come out. So like most of your thoughts, it's based off a false interpretation, but so strong to you in the present moment that it seems your reality. So this is the enemy really trying to rob you of all the things that God's preordained for you. So in order to raise 
awareness, you need to separate yourself from the thoughts of anger by becoming a witness or a spectator to them. So when you raise your consciousness, your presence increases. So you start to notice the thoughts, but not get swallowed up by them, like a convection, like a tornado. You're not going to go around and around and around in that cyclical pattern that will just drag you down. Anger, stress, anxiety, all of these things. So you notice them on your higher conscious level. So through this greater awareness, you can change those feelings because if you're not partaking and your higher awareness will become the change, you're not actually partaking in it, but your higher awareness will create that change. So we need to go closer to being. So very simply, when we draw closer to God, he's able to change us from the inside out. So we're then able to manifest a different behavior. You know, we're not our feelings, as these are birth and separation. A lot of us go around thinking we're about, oh, I'm feeling bad, or I'm feeling this, I'm feeling that. But with a closer relationship to God, your identity is in the spirit. You're a spirit being which is fully functional, full of love, not full of limitation. So it's always going to be a fine belay. You can be on your way to conquer all of your negative thoughts and feelings. So there's going to be a fine belay between the carnal, which are the mindly thoughts, these feelings and the bad badness and the limitation that comes up, and of course the spirit thoughts, which are the ones that we were born with of God before we got messed up during our living. So you can actually use a tool. Anger can be used to grow closer to your being. It's important to remember that any negative thought or feeling that you have has been developed in your separated form. So you need to use feelings. Use these feelings to liberate, liberate yourself from being captive. As you know, in a, in a very good movie, it takes something bad to happen to somebody so they raise their higher awareness and then there's a change and that's the great thing in a movie. But in a really bad movie, they react to things around them in their own way with guns, with shooting, with anger. So they're perpetuating. So you're just basically perpetuating anger. If I throw water on... Water, I'm increasing water, fire on fire. I need to throw sand on the fire. So I need to really lift myself up out of the forest so I can see clearly. So I can see clearly to raise my awareness and raise my conscious level in those things. Mention about forgiveness. We need to take a look at forgiveness. So forgiveness is making a decision. It's making a decision not unforgiveness. Let's look at the opposite of forgiveness first. Unforgiveness is making a decision not to let someone go by wanting to pay them back or get even. Or, and this develops into resentment. It could be a, someone who's, a wife who's cheated us or a husband who's cheated on us, someone who's we perceive as taking something away from us. And we develop this feeling inside that I want to get them back. It could even be someone who's repaired a car, charged you a large amount of money, and that car breaks down again. We can take these almost into any area of life. Someone who's cut in front of us in a, in a car, someone who's even hit our car, someone who's got a job that we thought we would get. I mean, all of this can harbor in the real world, can harbor some serious things of wanting to pay back or get even. So let's be very careful to work on purifying the mind so we're not operating in these thoughts. And we find ourselves, again, just like anger, when you find yourself going into that spiral, you need to stop. You need to slow the mind down. And I always have this technique, stop, which is stop, think, observe, and then proceed. Very often, we're in the reactionary mind. And because our mind's going around very, very fast – 
we need to slow that mind down. So maybe looking at objects, objects around you is very good. Spiritual music is good. Listening to podcasts is, is good. But really s- learning to slow your mind down and removing yourself from those negative feelings. Because when I have unforgiveness, it's, it's a reaction to something. It's a reaction to either something that's been done against me, something that's been held against me, but it's about paying someone back. Anger is wanting to physically do something and be angry about it, but unforgiveness is wanting to get even with wanting to get even with an ex because of what you're paying her or because she cheated on you or he cheated on you. Wanting to if someone's you perceive has got something from you, again, wanting any kind of feeling of paying back or any kind of feeling of getting even is coming from a reaction. So again, you need to move yourself away from that to get into your higher self, to realize that your mind is creating this. It's a cyclical pattern. And in the, we, we need to look also what is forgiveness, the opposite of what I was just talking. It's giving up resentment or the right to get even regardless of what have, has been perceived as being done against us or done to us. So it's a deliberate action. To forgive someone is, is, again, has to be a conscious effort to release someone of the responsibility of any action that you have previously thought to be negatively impacting your life or another one in a way, sh- any shape, form, or manner. So very simply, it's a deliberate action. The only way we'll get something resolved is if we make a resolve to say that I'm going to forgive somebody. And the way you do that, and very simply, we can't do it in our lower spirit, lower awareness. In our state of unconsciousness, we, we're separated from God, so we become all of the things society is predicating. Anger, uh, you know, lust, envy, malice. We need to pray into that and say, be, get a closer relationship to your maker. Very simply, we need to go back to the maker of the car, which is God, who's the heart surgeon. He created you. And need to go back to change. I mean, I've changed over the last 10 years just from one 180-degree turn. So I'm now handling these things the way I'm going over on this podcast with you. We can. It's about transformation, not staying the same, or condemnation. It's not condemnation. Transformation. Change, like a caterpillar metamorphosizes into a butterfly. We're going to take a break. We're going to look at more ways we can do forgiveness and we're going to look at some new ways we can get to a new to a new level. So have a great break, and I will talk to you very soon. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. When is the last time you saw sparkles of life in your day? Each day holds a treasure, the extra in the ordinary. It is too easy to miss them because they're familiar and we take them for granted. If you want to add sparkle to your day, listen to Mighty Gems, spotlighting everyday jewels with Dee Lee. She offers a new way to view the world and to discover your own Mighty Gems in daily life. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you happy in your life or are you just settling? 
It's time to speak out, take control of your existence, and let your life speak. Bart Queen is the host of A Hero's Journey. His personal goal is to help you find your voice, use that voice, and live the life that you deserve to live. Do more, be more, and give more. Tune in to A Hero's Journey on the Voice America Empowerment Channel, live every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. You owe it to yourself to tune in and make your voice count. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. tuned in to New Dimensions. To reach Reverend Nicholas or his guest today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to nbarrett28 at yahoo.com. Now, back to New Dimensions. Hello there. Welcome back to the third segment. I'm not going to say the final segment because this third segment is now what? We're going to put things into application. See, knowledge is only powerful when we're using it, when we're utilizing it. Um, I hope the show is sowing seeds. It's not going to change your life. I mean, you probably have to listen to 40 podcasts that I do to really change, but you have to take those on board in your heart and really it's available on iTunes. So anybody who's listening live, we, we have a large live audience, worldwide live audience, but also, which I'm very grateful for, but we have a, a larger iTunes audience just by putting new dimensions and just put in Reverend Nicholas Barrett, new dimensions. You can re-listen to these things. I re-listen to people's podcasts. I mean, uh, leaders are learners, uh, uh, readers, are, leaders are readers. So when you read and also study and listen to podcasts, that very much, as I say, is part of your focus. And you're, we're all really doing recycled information because all information is things that are, we've taken on board and our mind is, is, as I say, is like a computer. It receives things and then puts them at, back out again. So, but the important thing is to dwell in things, to dwell in things, not to dwell in media, not to dwell in resentment or in anger and not to dwell in the feelings you may have now. The feelings you have on board now have been created by you because the mind, as I say, is like a camera, photographs certain things and replays them back to you. But it replays them back to you in the habitual mind, which our human mind is negative. You know, if out of 60,000 thoughts a day, we're getting 90% repeated, 85% of those are negative. It's only through getting an awareness of your higher self, which is in God, in your created being, not the one that society's manufactured you, but the one you were made in. It's like having a Timex watch and then changing the moving parts and getting it repaired by Seiko. Very simply, yes, it's still functioning, but not to the highest level. So we were talking about unforgiveness and forgiveness. Forgiveness really is a two-for-one package, and I'm going to explain to you the power of this, the power of deliberately letting somebody go. Some of the things that we've edited or perceived as being against us were actually things that God would have used for us. But out of our habit of our societally collective conditioned mind, we've been turned into a victim. So the battle will always be not the circumstance or the people or the person or the job or the marriage. It'll always be in your mind. Remember, it's by faith that we go to the next level as the next level is always unseen. So faith always needs to be elevated. We always need to be elevating it. Greater is coming but can only come if we believe in it before it's seen. 
greater is it if you can believe in it if be, when it's unseen Lazarus was dead and buried for four days before coming to life Jericho people walked around it six times before going around the seventh time and it actually took seven times before God's power made it fall the promised land from the Bible as you know was an 11 day journey that took 40 years so even with forgiveness we need to raise our faith to put us in the position to claim the victory that has already been appointed for you and I will stress this out again to other Christians, even if you're a non-believer, God's hand doesn't get moved by your faith because he's already done it and he's risen and resting. He created everything from nothing and then is resting. The most important thing, it positions you to receive what has already been done for you. And I repeat that again, faith will not move God's hand, but it puts you in a position to receive what has already been done for you. So I need to create the mind of anticipation. I need to create the mind of of being open to these things, not being stuck in, in that whirlwind of, of, of un, uh, you know, and, and really make a deliberate effort to do this. Like with all things, it, we need to make a deliberate effort to do it. Otherwise, it doesn't happen. So it's a two-for-one package. You know, some of us have been close to getting to a new dimension, but life has jammed our default button. So our mind is preventing us from moving forward. Many of us are dying as a result of drinking another person's poison, and expecting to get well. You know, by letting them go, you empower yourself, but you also relieve them of the burden of holding them responsible. You empower yourself because you're no longer held in dominion by what they've done or said to you. So you're no longer captive to depression, anxiety, anger, or resentment. You've let it go. You're free. It's gone. But you've also given them the ability. That's why I say it's a two-for-one package. Yes, I'm doing one action which is to decide not to, to, to hold them responsible. I'm doing one action, but I'm freeing myself to know that they were only acting out of their brokenness, not done, must not take it personally, but I'm also freeing them as well. So we're liberating them, but, and we liberate ourselves as, again, we live with this pure dominion. Um, and I ask you, what might you be holding against someone this day? Is it an ex? Is it an employer, a relative, a parent who abused you, a loss? All of these things, just think about them. Think about them and really pray and, and work on making a conscious decision to let them go and to know that it wasn't done to you. You were just in that environment. So Galatians, and I always read this to myself, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So against these things, there is no law. So in other words, if you have these things and possess these things, which you do, because we're all created 7 billion people, we're not talking religion here, religiosity, we're talking creation. We were all the same. Seven billion people. It doesn't matter whether you're black, Jew, Gentile. It doesn't really matter. The essence is the same. If you possess all of these qualities before you became an imp life was imprinted on you, or you became a product of society, you will have. There'll be no control over you. There's no law against it. In other words, the devil or the enemy or the media or even people around you cannot take those feelings away. So, and that's really the, the thing that happened with me. I became love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And people ask me how just by staying in it. Because 10 years prior, before 2006, A, I wouldn't have been doing the show because God wouldn't have used me to do it. I'd be focused on 
getting for myself? Why would I sweat and create and try and do shows to help people? Be all about getting for me. I thought, you know, the next ladder is about stepping on somebody else and getting to the next ladder. So, but it's not. When we get into these joys and spirits, we become full of our being becomes full of creativity, full of joy, full of potentiality. You become your true self because you're no longer looking through the veil of these deceptions that unforgiveness, malice, and revenge, and sadness, and anger, and fear have put against you. So it's in our human nature we reveal all of these things, not in our spiritual nature. You know, hate, resentment, unforgiveness, depression, hostility, impatience, cruelty, malice, vengefulness. All of these things are something that we're identifying in because we haven't got our spiritual identity. Once we work out our spiritual identity, gone is it for the enemy. So the enemy of all of those things cannot take away the opposite, which are the things I read to you before. I'm trying to paraphrase really Galatians 2. Once you really fully embrace that life can really be working for you, nothing can come against you. Yes, there will be challenges. Yes, there will be times that you feel things are against you. But remember the mind, how it repeats. 90% repeated, 85% negative. So we need to remove ourselves from the cycle, remove ourselves from the forest to see clearly, to realize that that's our camera that's photographing something and replaying as this film going on in our mind that's holding us captive. Once we can conquer that, we can be a victor, not a victim to all of these things. We can let our things, transgressions that relatives have done to us, exes and past, and live free. I mean, I have done this, and, and it's something I'm praying all of you can do. And I'm really believing this is really the power of this message. You can do it, but by practicing how to rewire the mind. The same way the mind got jacked up first was through allowing things to happen and just focusing on them. We said that when we focus on anger, we're identifying with anger. When we focus on forgiveness, we're identifying with that. Whatever we identify in becomes our reality. So I'm saying identify in all of those things of the spirit, and that'll become your new reality. That's the whole thing about transformation. It's not a message of condemnation. People put religiosity into it, and that's basically humanism to control people. It's not about... Catholicism, Anglicanism, Protestantism, all of these things say, well, you do this and you can come and join us. But what really the, the letter of love, I call the Bible really the letter of love. It's a, it's a love letter to humanity. It's saying all of you come on board. It doesn't matter. Whatever you've done in the past will not disqualify you. So I'm saying it, it basically qualifies the unqualified. I was unqualified. We're all unqualified, but we get qualified. So we need to make the spirit, our new default button. So many of us defaulted onto this worldly button and we're getting more and more of it. It will automatically bring you the qualities of the spirit to your attitudes and your everyday interactions. So the way we do things today, you've got to remember, was the way we first started doing them. We weren't born like it. And then we kept repeating it until it became the way we think and live today. So very simply, to reshape our lives, we need to start operating in another default button. We need to keep doing it and repeating it until it becomes our way of living tomorrow. So our way of living today is going to set the seed of how we're going to live tomorrow. If I'm planting a rose bush, tomorrow will come a rose. If I'm planting an orange, an orange will come. So you must really think how great your life might look 
if we could take the anger out, the resentment out, the depression out, the hostility, the impatience lines, because someone's in my spot or they're taking away something from me again, or I'm running late for my meeting, all of these things of ego, or malicious thoughts, vengeful thoughts. Think how your life would look. And I have a word called wow to describe that or amazing. Yes, yes, it would still have challenges, but the way you feel would not be dictated by the challenges. It would be dictated by your new computer program. I've taken out the program that didn't work in my MacBook, and I've put new software. So the body's the hardware. The mind, which will be the spirit mind, will be the new software. I've gone from Yosemite to Lion or whatever program that you're using right now. So and we could go into how the number, uh, number one thing also for breaking free of this is how to get bailed out of being a hostage. You know, we need to stop taking offense. We haven't discussed this yet in the show, but your mind is constantly working where you're reacting. This forms your thinking patterns, and we're all reacting. You need to slow the mind down to separate your thinking and transcend your thinking mind, as this will help you get into a clearer state through the rise in your consciousness. And I'm going to come into this part of the show now really about stopping to take offense. We're going to talk more about this and then land the plane. So just like a writer goes deep within himself to slow the mind down to produce the best content, you'll also be able to become more aware of your thoughts and patterns. It's the reactionary mind that's created a good deal of the problems in the way you respond and speak today. So we need to try and pause instead of immediately responding. We need to practice this. Um, you'll be much less a victim of your reactions because when we're reacting, we're really a victim. It's not our aware state. It's our unaware state. So what I normally do is I count maybe to 10 or 20. Just count. Have a, have a period of stillness before you respond. So it could be somebody cutting you in front of you. It could be a spouse that's rude to you. It could be a situation with an employer. It could be a situation with a child. But when you stop... What you do is you break the reactionary mind. We need to break a cycle very simply as the cycle will continue to move on and on and on. So the person or people that disappointed you or spoke hurtful words over you, it could be physically or verbally abused you, as I say, were simply pulling the mirror of what they had. If it was a lemon tree, I could not get an orange. They mirrored what they had, the pain which manifests from in them, and they put it all on you. So their past was edited by them. They then took it personally and built all of it up as their anger and forgiveness and depression and basically put it all on you. This is why we need to stop taking offense. I know I mentioned it earlier in the podcast, but I really want to go over why they're doing it because they became that and you happen to be there. I, if I was there, it would be the same with me. So it's like a pressure cooker. They put it all on you. This was their story. So we really need to forgive and we need to remember that Jesus did this he came for the sick and not for the healed um, we can only change people through being the model of what we want to see so we need to become that we need to become forgiving very often and loving so other people can take a turn dark will do two things it'll either run or it'll either rise so you have a choice to put away uh, a choice to put away today you know a cheerful heart is one that will give you joy uh, you know, life, and then say we're going to come to a close. You have a choice today to choose for yourself the life that you want, not the life that you've been led to to want. So 
I, it's been great chatting to you. I love you all. I wish I could spend another few hours with you, but we've become to the end of this podcast. I hope this has really helped you. You may want to re-listen to this. And I look forward to speaking to you next time. We'll have another great show lined up. God bless you wherever you are. Glory to God. Thank you so much for giving me this time. Speak to you soon. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of New Dimensions. Please join Reverend Nicholas Barrett again next Wednesday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a blessed week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.